What's up? This is Nikki D with Medium Plus coming to you live from Harlem, New York City. And I'm down here for the Guild of Sommeliers Party 2017. Great chance to connect with other industry members and see what's going on with the East Coast. Going to head up to Boston uh, shortly thereafter. But I am connecting here with my good friend Andrew Shaw and his roommate Asa, talking a bit about their perspectives and even learning about Alsace wine and uh, other goodies. So stay tuned for a couple interviews. Cheers. So who are you? Uh, my name's Asa, um, 25 years old, resident in New York City, working in events with a lot of focus on spirits and stuff. But really, like, what makes you who you are? Uh, what makes me who I am? We're getting deep. Okay, yeah, we just you just dove right in there, didn't you? Um, there's, uh, I think the three, the three big components that I've let channel my life are faith, music, uh, and travel. Those are probably like my, my big pillars of where I put my time and energy. How do you find that that incorporates into your current career path? In my current career path? Um, uh, I have faith that this is what I want to do, and if it turns out it's not what I want to do, then I will figure out the next thing, but so far I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, music is the thing that probably keeps me from killing everyone that I work with. Um, I I can just hone in on you know the, the kinds of things I need to hear to get through any situation, whether it's turning on a, a old, like a old school rap playlist and just banging out work, or if I'm stressed and need to play Adele to soothe my soul. Like I know where I need to get to, and I, it's one of those things where outside of what I do for my career, I equally love and put that time and energy into. Where are you working right now? I work for a small agency called Soho Experiential. Okay, so that's uh, in what part of New York? I'm not uh, as familiar. Oh, so it's down in Soho. Um, it's um, just the southern end of Soho. We work... Um, down, if you know where the World Trade Center is, we're down in that area. Okay. Yeah. And and where are we right now? We are not, we are up in Harlem. Um, if anyone ever tells you it's called Soha, punch them in the face and let me know you did it. This, know, is, this is Harlem. But what if they have like skinny jeans? They, they need to go back to Brooklyn. <laughs> back to Williamsburg. So did you grow up in this uh, in the city? No, I grew up. Well, I grew up in a city. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. And then I went to college in Boston, lived there for about six years, and then I came down here in 2015. And how is it that you came to uh, be connected with this guy over here, Andrew? Uh, so Andrew pretty much saved my ass, actually. Um, my first set of roommates, the two guys I lived here with before, both moved to California on different reasons, none related to me. Um, but they both moved out at the same time. So I met Doug through Craigslist. I was pretty early on. Uh, and then it was coming down to like the, it was three days before our lease had to be signed and we didn't really have anybody. He, something fell through with a lease he was about to sign and he messaged me. I think I responded 20 minutes later. We met the next day for about 20 minutes and then people knew people who knew him and they said he's a decent fit. Um, and it's been magic ever since. Um, we get along. I think if I hadn't add, add another pillar, it'd probably be like food and drink. I think he and I get along thoroughly with our passion for cooking and good alcohol. 
Well, I mean, we were practicing the uh, jigger game last night. Where yes. Where we were pouring, trying to hit. What was it called? Uh, the Achilles. No, not Achilles. What the hell is that term? When it's uh, yeah, what's oh, that term? The, meniscus. Meniscus. Yeah, we we're playing meniscus, so trying to pour a specific amount, and you hit the ounce and a half on the jigger, just the like first, first the shot. first shot. So, have you been a bartender before? No, um, I have. Spent a lot of time in bars. A good friend of mine is a <laughs> mixologist here in New York. Shout out to Cody um, and Muddling Memories. He, so I spent a lot of time watching him, um, and I actually have a I have a thorough interest in mixology. It was it was a big pastime for a couple of years where I I appreciate the the combination, like what you can do with alcohol, how it can tell. You know, a lot of alcohol names have stories behind them and have history. And then it's it's this world where you can create so many different cool things. Um, and even if you go back in terms of singular spirits, like uh, you guys were listening to something about chartreuse earlier, he was telling me these stories about like old old chartreuses. Uh, and so like they the world of mixology is super interesting to me. So got to spend a lot of time with him, and then um, just paying attention more than just like when I go to a bar I'm not usually ordering like a rum and coke I actually pay attention to what's going on kind of the style the counts um each step that goes into making a drink it's like when I'm at home I can make a decent drink I leave most of that to Drew but uh, I can make a decent drink because I know what, what flavors go together how much time how much you pour into each thing kind of all comes together when you put some time and effort into it so it sounds like you've got the passion is that challenging now that you're taking a, a little break from drinking uh not so much. Um, I am saving a lot of money. I just, just going to bars. I haven't been to any of the bars where I'd be like, damn it, I really want to drink here. Um, because all, a lot of the bars I'm going to, I'm like, oh, I would have a beer here and just chill. I haven't been going in, I haven't gone down to like Nomad in a while. So I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been uh, pressed to have a cocktail. We have beer Fridays at work when I'm just like, oh God, this is a lot of pressure to avoid. But uh, overall, I'm doing all right. I think two more weeks will be fine. I feel great overall. Like I woke up one time and I'm about to go to the gym and crush it. And it's, but it's like it's days like this, I don't have work tomorrow. I should go to the gym, come home, cook and get drunk. And like, that should be my night. But this whole no alcohol, that's where there's a wrench. So this is going on my list. I've actually been keeping a list of reasons I should have drank in the last 30 days. Yeah. Um, this is probably like number four or five. So when I come, when I'm back to it, I'm just going to have a night committed to getting back to that. But you've probably noticed like your health and and just well being has has changed since you've yeah taken a little hiatus yeah I felt the same way before too yeah so. I, it's like sleep is better going to the gym I feel good um, my stomach is like my whole system is just kind of flushing out uh, and I think it's I think it's important that everybody does it doesn't have to be like the January thing because now now they're they're making up new names for it like dry January or something like that and yeah. I just wanted to kill myself when I heard that. Um, well, what you can say is it's a detox before the retox. Right. The best detox is a retox, but if you had to go for a full detox, I guess is the time. I also, I was actually talking about, talking with a friend of mine about the only time better to do a detox would be like uh, May, because there aren't any huge holidays in May. Right. And then through May, you're just detoxing, cleaning up, and getting yourself ready for beach months, beach season. So you That's probably cut. get cut lean down a little bit, feel real good, and then you just you go in heavy. Because all I'm going to do this summer is drink bottles of rosé on rooftops like I did last summer. It was awesome. Boom, boom, I hear that. Uh, rosé aside, um, how are you internally focused this year and uh, your growth? Like, what, what is it that you want to evolve about yourself this I was year? Actually, I've actually had this conversation with a few people. I've, 
I feel like for a lot of people my age, they're still testing waters, figuring out exactly what they want to do. I've fortunately been blessed enough that I knew a long time ago that I wanted to do events. What kind of events, that can vary, like what the focus is, but I wanted to do event planning and like what I'm doing now. So right now, I'm, I don't have like my, oh, what's my next step? I realize that my big current goal is to hone in on the skills that I'm learning right now which is, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people at our age is, you know, two years at a job, it's time to jump. And I'm, I'm approaching two years and I don't feel quite ready to jump yet where I can still see that there's stuff I need to learn. Um, and so I think my, my big goal is honing my craft, but also taking my skills and helping other people bring their dreams together. For example, my sister's uh, putting together this Caribbean dance thing, like festival uh, in June that she, you know, she knows the dance, she knows the people, uh, but when it comes to an event, like putting the event together, the budgeting, the getting all the logistics, that's where I come in. And I'm like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. And so I'm taking the craft, the skills that I've learned, I'm applying them to helping her put her thing together. Drew and I were talking about doing a, a little wine sort of festival in Harlem, putting, you know, taking the, the restaurants that do have a wine list. And then there's a community of people that may be interested in a learning more about wine and wine culture and giving them an opportunity. It doesn't have, it's not going to be as big as like New York uh, Food and Wine Festival, but it's an opportunity to teach people and, and get them engaged in a community that it's not as prevalent in, but there is definitely opportunity. So taking my skills and helping others, you know, put their, put their dreams together and you know, their goals together as best I can. So by giving back, you can then enrich your own experience. Yep, just, just honing the skills, taking it outside the office, and, and making sure I can, I can do it on my own. Awesome. That's the goal. Cool. cool. Well, thanks for chatting. And, uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure. Beach season's coming, everyone. It's always coming. Boom, boom. Always be ready. Uh, number one uh, plant ingredient for the folks out there. Number one plant ingredient? Yeah. Oh, God. Um... I'm all collard greens all day, every day, so we're going with that. <laughs> that's that's what I'm going with. Love it. Collard greens forever. Um, I also discovered like quinoa was one of those things where I'm like, I don't I don't care about quinoa, but I actually did research on how beneficial quinoa is for you. And if I'm not, I'm trying to not eat as many carbs, I'm not a cut carbs person, but eat fewer. And quinoa is a decent alternative. It's got a lot of benefits. So I hear that. And there's like the different colors of quinoa. So yeah, I got the red joints right now in the cabinet, so probably popping those off later today. Hear that? Thank cool. you very much. Thank you. Peace out. Peace. So Drew, we just got done talking to Asa, your roommate here in Harlem. Yes. Now it's your turn. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so this is 2017. I met you back in 2012. Yes, I think so. We were working at Canlis Restaurant in Seattle. Wow, so I said four years... Um, yesterday, but it's actually coming up on five years that I've known you. It is. 2017. <laughs> That's pretty amazing, man. That's pretty amazing. Um, okay, so the first time I met you was during my stage at Canlis. Uh, and then subsequently we got to interact more um, early on, uh, my very first night in training. And... You were you were my trainer. I love training people. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as much as I love staging people. <laughs> you you uh you scared me a little bit. I know. That was uh I tried I tried not to be 
too bad, but sometimes I just had to make sure that people were the right fit. <laughs> and uh, well, you lasted, and uh, that was that was that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you, I couldn't fail you at that point. I had to stick to it, and yeah, you did a great job. I think I only made one person cry uh, during service in my tenure at Camelus. One's not bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. So how long did you work at Canlis? I worked at Canlis for two years, and I left in August 2013 to move to New York. So. And so you've been in New York since 2013. I have. Well, yep. Yeah, I, um, I lived in upstate New York for a couple months, but I've been in New York City since January 6th, 2014. So I think just past my three-year mark. Great. So, how uh, what have you done in that time? Um, well, just because of the connections that I had with Canlis, um, I had a pretty uh, um, smooth transition into the Union Square Hospitality Group. Uh, so I did some fun interviews um, before I moved into the city, and then I started at Union Square Cafe as my first job um, in New York City a couple of days after I moved to, moved here. And uh, <clears throat> I spent two two years there, uh, starting as a brunch server, and then I piloted a sommelier program for them. And then uh, shortly afterwards, I was the uh, the wine manager that closed down the program, and uh, kind of oversaw uh, shutting down the inventory, transferring to other restaurants, and uh, and managing consignment for them. So give a brief history of Union Score Cafe and um, that transition and, and what's going on there now yeah so union square cafe was uh founded in 1985 by danny meyer and the union square neighborhood which at the time was pretty uh pretty rough pretty uh drug-ridden neighborhood and he really brought kind of the face of change um and uh that restaurant became a very important um part of the new york city dining scene and i think uh over the 30 years that they were there, the restaurant was um, really helped to uh, really maintain its identity, which was just a, a comfortable place, uh, like a third home uh, that was wine-driven, fantastic service, and I mean, just really, really comfortable food. And uh, Danny Meyer, just uh, he did an incredible job with that restaurant, and. Um, in terms of the transition, uh, they came up on their third lease and uh, realized that it was time to uh, to make a change, and uh, so they closed and we just reopened. Actually, um, I think last within the last month, um, in uh, in a new spot that's almost equidistant from the park, but just uh, up uh, Park Avenue on Nineteenth Street. So it's a uh, it's been a pretty uh, Pretty exciting uh, to watch a restaurant last that long and have so much interest still after 30 years that, that they were able to invest that much into a reopening and have people that excited about it. So your time there uh, wrapped up as the original was, was closing and then you transitioned to another Danny Meyer property. I did. So uh, when Union Square Cafe closed, I went over to the Modern uh, and was working as a sommelier on the floor. And then also my first several months there um, were spent doing primarily wine administration and uh, 
um, seller work. Um, there was a lot of <clears throat> a lot of growth happening in that restaurant. Uh, Michael Engelman expanded the list drastically within uh, within a several month period as he was uh, applying for the uh, the first Wine Spectator Grand Award. So um, I was a major part of overseeing um, several thousand new SKUs added into um, to uh, all the computer systems bin wise and uh, it was it was a lot of work I spent yeah. about, eight, about 70 to 80 hours a week down in the dungeon three floors below ground and the uh in their in their wine cellar that was a very exciting time <laughs> <laughs> and then you've since transitioned uh from the modern to doing your own operation and i'm really interested for you to speak to that and um describe what that means to you and, and what you're offering. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> part of the reason that I was able to uh, jump into wine, wine management and wine administration in Union Square Hospitality Group is uh, my passion for organizing things. I really like taking, um, uh, taking processes and analyzing them and writing them out and making them approachable. And uh, so um, for me, uh, Grid Wine Consulting is essentially uh, taking everything that I've learned with big programs and strong programs and uh, making it something that I can share with smaller restaurants that either don't have a wine director or have um, li limited budget for somebody who's going to be able to run the program on a full-time basis and basically coming in and helping to organize, um, put together processes, make sure that all the tools are in place to have an effective wine program. Um, really my goal more than anything is just to see the wine community in New York City succeed, uh, especially smaller restaurants that maybe don't have as much exposure or, uh, or as much volume to be able to invest in, in full-blown wine programs. I think that they still deserve to uh, have successful programs and lists. Fantastic. I'm excited to see you grow and take off, and this is new as of a, a few months, right? Yep, I just uh, I just started in November, um, and um, kind of jumped right into it. So it's a couple months old at this point. It's an exciting time. So within the field of wine, uh, what's an area that really holds a, a strong passion, like a a region of the world? Um, I think that actually one of the regions that I get really excited about is uh, is Alsace. Uh, my great-great-grandfather was born in Alsace, and then also every single time, especially when I was uh, just kind of getting into the wine industry, uh, you pick up a book that uh, has regions listed alphabetically, and for some reason you always end up diving into Alsace relatively quickly. So I think that early on in my wine career, I knew my, my own heritage, but also um, I was exposed to a lot of uh, information about Alsace relatively quickly, and there's nothing wrong with good Riesling. <laughs> That's right. Well, we're going to uh, try a little experiment here. I'm going to put you on the spot <clears throat> and do uh, two or three minutes, even five minutes, about Alsace, like a little uh, miniature seminar. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Uh, Alsace is a really interesting place uh, geographically. I mean, it's separated by uh, the Vosges Mountains on the, uh, on the western coast and then uh, the Rhine River, uh, which borders Germany. Uh, it's an area that has really rich culture just because of the back and forth that they've had with Germany and France. 
and so the people are very eclectic and I think that the wines have a very unique personality. Um, it's uh, one of the driest places in all of France uh, just because of the Vosges Mountains which provide the rain shadow effect uh, and you have it divided into two regions basically the Haut-Rhin and the Bas-Rhin uh, which uh, the regions are named based on the direction of flow of the Rhine River um, versus north to south. Um, towards the northern part of Alsace the mountains are a little bit lower uh, and then as you go south you have higher mountains getting uh, uh, much taller and I've never personally had the chance to go to Alsace but I mean the pictures that I've seen and everything that I've read about it it's absolutely beautiful flowers and castles uh, just dotting the uh, the mountain the mountain ridges and uh, you have some incredible vineyard sites um, that are kind of spotting the the uh, foothills of the of the Vosges mountains <clears throat> giving it exposure again it's very dry a lot of sunlight so that even though it's a very cool climate further north, uh, you have the opportunity for grapes to ripen and really have some uh, and and show off uh, both the terroir but also the varietals. I mean, there are places like Clos Saint Hewn, which are arguably some of the best vineyard sites in the whole world. Uh, and I think that Alsace is really interesting um, with two major chains of thought. I mean, you have the Zinnenbrecht and then you have the Marcel Dies uh, concepts, which are uh, Zinnenbrecht believes that terroir is best demonstrated through finding the right varietals for the right vineyard sites and then you have Marcel Dies who just doesn't believe in uh, single varietals he believes that terroir expresses itself as it is so you'll f see a lot more field blends of of noble varieties I mean uh, in Riesling, Pinot Gris, Muscat and uh, Gewurztraminer um, but it's a uh, it's a really incredible region the food there is unbelievable. I mean, sauerkraut and uh, chacout garni and sausages, pork products, and then amazing, you know, full body, dry, but still really bright uh, white wines. And then some uh, Pinot Noir, which is really becoming up and coming. And I think that Alsace is developing really quickly. I mean, there are 51 Grand Cru's and um, I think that there are some process there are some processes that are being put into place um, led by particularly uh, Olivier Umbrecht trying to create a premier cruise system which I think is going to be really exciting and also trying to navigate levels of sweetness and how that's uh, communicated to customers so I think that Alsace has a lot of growth growth potential and I think that um, this people who are knowledgeable and strong are involved with that so I think that Alsace wines are fantastic. I think that the region is uh, is really beautiful, and I'm really excited to see how it grows over the next several decades. Well, we should make a point to uh, take a trip there sometime soon because I've never been, and I think that it's one of the most special places in the whole world, if not the wine world. Um, so thanks for being a good sport and, and being put on the spot with that one. Uh, but to wrap up, how about telling me just something personal that you want to grow for yourself uh, in your life this year yeah I think that uh, I think that for me the opportunity to have my own business has provided some luxuries that I don't haven't really had that much in, in the past um, mostly having the liberty to write my own schedule and so for me that I, I think that there are a lot of things that I'm really passionate about some smaller projects uh, some just personal development um, uh, that I would like to do and I think that now that I have time for it I'm, I'm really excited to be able to invest in in my own personal and um, professional growth 
um, more than just business, but also just taking hobbies that are related to uh, the food and beverage industry and uh, diving into them, like more writing and um, and these kinds of things. So I'm excited to see those come to fruition. So, all right, brother. Thanks so much. Thank you, Nick. All right, cheers.